friends, this is Event AV Enlightening Demystified, brought to you by Three Fun Events, and I'm your host, Anka. Welcome to our new episode this month. Can you believe it's December? I'm still waiting for some snow over here, but we'll see if that actually happens or not, because it's always a surprise. Anyway, for the last nine months of this year, me along with many other event professionals, we've had the opportunity to talk and discuss and, I mean, basically abuse the subject of virtual events. And I've had some amazing feature guests on the air with me and I had the opportunity to talk and interview. And we made the case for virtual events. I mean, we made and remade the case for virtual events over and over again. And we talked about how they're cost effective and basically a fraction of what an in-person event costs, how there's literally no travel time involved, they're inclusive, no more limited to a geographical location, they're safe, which is a great consideration today. They do reach a much larger audience, they could be pretty flexible, you know, with live, pre-recorded or on-demand methods of delivery and engagement, and they are environmentally conscious, which is something not thought about enough, but is extremely important. Something we haven't touched on that much because we are basically in the weeds planning and running events one after another for the last nine months, figuring out how to fly this airplane while attaching its wings, which by the way is an analogy I borrowed from one of my favorite benefit auctioneers, Patrick Siever. Thank you, Patrick. Okay, so something we haven't touched on is how challenging this entire process really was for many event planners, event professionals, and meeting planners that found themselves in this place completely out of their comfort zone of figuring out software and app platforms and integrations and technology elements and the live streaming of it all and how does it all work together. I remember putting a quick video on different event platforms out there and it was almost like an afterthought for me to explain how there are different platforms that do different things and how you're not going to get you know a turnkey solution with one single platform And what was funny to me is that it got so many hits, it surprised me. It also made me realize how unfamiliar the topic really seemed to be. Long story short, in this episode, I wanted to invite a veteran event professional that embarked on virtual events back in March and figured it all out one step at a time and had great successes along the way with 50 virtual events and conferences at this point, but also many challenges to overcome. So today, that's what we want to talk about overcoming challenges in this current virtual event world. And for this, I have Lynn Edwards of Proper Planning with me in the studio. Lynn brings over 30 years and a wealth of experience to event management. Lynn and her team provide a comprehensive and efficient method for producing innovative events across the country. Her experience working in hotels, convention centers, convention and visitor bureaus, and now owning proper planning for nearly 20 years gives her a well-rounded background in the events industry. Lynn is experienced in overall event strategy, creative event design, event marketing, sponsorship development, contract negotiations, vendor management, and overall meeting production. A few fun facts about Lynn as well. She ran a recreation center for the U.S. Army in Korea when she was 23. She has done stand-up comedy, and she was on the guys' wrestling team. I mean, how amazing is that? 
Lynn, welcome to the show. I feel so fortunate to have such a rock star like yourself come and join me on the air. And you've been around the event industry for what it feels like forever. You're such an event professional veteran, and I am grateful to have you with me. What an honor to have this conversation. And I hope that our audience will enjoy it because I know they're in for a huge treat today. Well, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. I have been in the business a long time, 30 plus years. I, I stopped counting when you say 20 plus, but I'm <laughs> definitely over the 30 plus And I think that makes me 180 in event years. <laughs> well, you don't look one day past <laughs> 35. So I don't know how you started so early. <laughs> yeah, I started at event planning when I was eight. That's right. There you go. That's right. Well, I wanted to have this discussion with you because, you know, like all event professionals this year have had to figure out what is going on with events and all the postponements. Probably beginning of the year, you were faced with the same decision where, hey, instead of canceling, how about we postpone? Or maybe even better, we do a some sort of a digital virtual version of your event. So as we're embarking on this, you know, sort of like a year in review conversation, based on your experience with virtual events. And man, what a year it has been so far, right? As we're looking back at 2020, I wanted to ask you if you'd want to share maybe one of your biggest aha moments. And if you have more than one, I mean, feel free to share as many as you feel inclined <laughs> to. But as you were progressing from March, when um, we embraced this new reality of virtual events, it's December now as we are recording this episode. So I would love for you to just share some of your aha moments with virtual events and some of the pivotal things that you think are worth sharing. Yeah, absolutely. It has been a crazy year and we are wrapping our two final events this week and we will have put 50 digital events out into the world and on our books. And so it's been quite a ride. I think that for our team, you know, we last year produced 100 live events all over the country. And this year coming in, kind of sliding into the end of the year with 50 digital events, it feels like we did 3,000. Right. <laughs> Compared to the 100 we did last year. It's half the amount, but yet probably three times the time and labor. Yeah. I mean, doing it really after this many years became second nature somewhat with the live events. And then the learning curve has been so steep this year that it's been really a mental, you know, Herculean effort to mentally wrap our brains around the new tools and how to deliver great events and what worked and what didn't work. It seemed like every time we got done with one, we had a laundry list of learnings of, again, what worked, what didn't work, what we would do next time. And so it didn't seem like the learning curve was that steep when we were doing live events. You know, we might've been like, oh, we could have made that line shorter. We could have done this, but this has been completely revamping the way that we do things. And so it's been really mentally challenging and, you know, kind of exhausting in addition to everything else in the world, you know, just that heavy weight of trying to understand how do we stay relevant? How do we continue as a service provider in this kind of crazy new way that things are shaping up? But, you know, we started early. We had our first digital event, second week in March for a thousand people, and we had about three days to prepare for it. So we really got thrown into the deep end and we figured it out very quickly. And I said this before, but I really believe as event planners, it is in our nature, it's in our, our DNA to be creative and resourceful and flexible. And it just was a true test this year. So it's been a challenge, but I feel very accomplished. Our team's worked really hard and there's been a lot of silver linings. 
And that's amazing because I feel like at the end of 2020, if there's anything that I want to hang on to most is hope that 2021, it has the opportunity to be somewhat easier, hopefully, even though, you know, we are still in the middle of a lot of uncertainty, even with this vaccine that's coming out. We don't know how long it's going to take. We don't know how fast for the event industry is going to take to just bounce back. So definitely giving myself just pep talk of like hopeful expectancy of what 2021 might look like and uh, giving our audience that I feel like it's so important. So you touch a little bit on the biggest challenge. Do you also have one of your biggest wins this year in events? I think it's a collective win rather than one high point. And I say that because when this happened, I remember saying, I'm in the gathering business and this is going to get hit first and it's going to come back last and it's going to be hit the hardest. And, you know, the first thing that got taken away was the ability to gather. And I really have always felt for all these years that I'm in the gathering business, but I'll say one of the overarching wins is that we were able to gather people. And in that experience, we were able to create an opportunity for people to connect, learn, engage, grow, network, continue business. And I think all of those, they're certainly due to the tools that we had, but people persevered, even exhibitors and speakers. And we all found a way to continue to gather in a new way for sure, but a gather in the sense that, again, shared information, continuing education credits and there, keep people informed, keep people up to date, keep people feeling like they're connected and engaged. I think that's just the win. You know, we weren't completely shut out in this year. We use new tools to allow us to continue to gather people in a unique new way. Absolutely. And I love that you touch on that because I'm not sure who I'm referencing, but somebody was saying that we are in the people business as event planner, event producers, event professionals, we are in the people business. So what we do is still serving the same people. It's just in a different format, maybe on a different platform, but the overarching purpose mm-hmm. is still there. Storytelling, again, team building, all of these things have been doable. Not the same way, you know, we'll never replace live. I remember being young in the business and a video conferencing came out and people like, oh, no one's ever going to stay in a hotel again. They're just going to sit and dial in on their video conference and we'll never have our ballrooms full. And of course that didn't happen. So it definitely does not replace the gathering in-person experience. But again, we've been able to reinvent and re-envision and use new tools to continue to connect. I couldn't agree more. Now, in some of the conversations that that I was having with other event professionals, I was getting this feeling that a lot of event planners are still trying to catch up. And while the industry has transitioned and moved at almost like what it seemed like yes. lightning speed in the last few months, do you think there's opportunity for event planners to catch up in this ever evolving world? Or should someone just, you know, stay put at this point, await the vaccine, and hopefully a return to what, you know, might be some resemblance of back to normal coming up? The first step might be just to see yourself as a consumer. And by that, I mean, attend virtual events and get a feel for what the guest is experiencing. You know, I'm sure before anybody decided to become an event planner, they went to functions, they went to weddings, they went to conferences, they were the consumer, the customer. So I would continue to encourage people to 
experience this new normal, if you will, on a digital experience as an attendee. That's the first place to start. And then I would encourage people to try to start using some tools, use them on a small level. You know, gosh, if you've got to gather your family to try a new tool, try it, you know, try it in a safe space where you're not feeling like all the marbles are on the line. Do it in a safe environment where you have a team meeting to see what that's going to look like on the screen. Or it's almost like it's going so fast that you just have to jump on this crazy train and try it. And again, try it on a small scale, try it in a safe environment, and then get your confidence built. Absolutely. I um, couldn't agree more. It, every so often, I would pull my husband into my experiments. <laughs> That's the way to do it. You know, it's almost like right. when people said, I'm not, I'm not going to get on board with an electronic calendar. I don't need to get on board with having Instagram. I don't need to have to get on board with this. I'll just wait. Mm-hmm. It's almost like, you know, you're not going to uninvent the wheel. Now that we have it, we're going to use it to our fullest. So to be in a holding pattern, to adopt this, I don't know that it's a really great uh, mm-hmm. career move. I think it's more about getting in the sandbox and trying these things out. And so that you're getting familiar with the terminology and the different types of tools and what works and what it feels like, again, as a guest, you just have to kind of jump in and learn. You know, this industry is crazy that way. As I onboard new people, they're like, teach me how to be an event planner. I'm like, you know, 30 years under my belt, I'm not going to be able to just download everything I know about event planning. You're going to have to get on my hip and listen to my thought process when I walk into a ballroom and say, can you hear, you know, what's the temperature? These are my mental checklists that I'm going through. So it's the same way with this digital stuff. You're going to have to get in and just start learning. And you might learn a lot of hard lessons, just like you do in event planning. You know, my first event planning job, I booked in a computer training in a room with no electricity. So, you know, only had to learn that lesson once to ask about power. Yeah, I was going (laughs) to say a lot of those lessons, a lot of those checklists that you have are actually based on real experience, which is kind of hard to recreate just verbally, like you kind of have to live through it. And yes, the many of us that can learn from other people's mistakes, maybe they would have a fast track. But there's a lot of us that we just have to do it in order to actually learn the lesson. And then like you said, we'll never do that mistake again. I (laughs) joked with my interns and I'd be like, okay, event planning lesson number eight, seven, five, check that off your list. <laughs> You'll know to ask for power. You know, so it's, it's one of those things where I believe as event planners, we should be lifelong learners anyways. You know, I feel like that in my own life, but also as an industry professional, there's a reason they ask us continue to get these credits for our knowledge base. So there's no reason to kind of, you know, park yourself on the sidelines till we get back to things. I think it's about figuring out how to use these because I do anticipate as we move forward that the integration piece is going to be pretty critical. So you're going to have to know how to serve a digital audience as we move forward. You know, it's interesting. I did air travel this last week for the first time since January, you know, and I usually spend, oh gosh, 20 days a month on the road, but I haven't been on the road. And so first time in the airport, all of those things and trying to figure out how to get a COVID test. And it was required to get one 72 hours ahead of time and figuring out where to get it. And, you know, I was flying Alaska Airlines and they had a place to get it. And I paid my $170 and, you know, over the Thanksgiving holiday and went and I had the results and not one person asked me for the COVID results, by the way, which was so frustrating. (laughs) That is weird. I went through all these hoops. But what I would say is that again, 
again, is going to be a bit of our new kind of experience as we do this. We're going to be really aware of these things. And as I traveled, it was like traveling maybe on a midnight flight. There were people in the airports. There were restaurants weren't open, but it was like kind of that, you know, light traffic everywhere. Mm -hmm. Um, Very light traffic on the plane, which was kind of comfortable and kind of refreshing, you know, to have the road myself or the jetways not packed. And it was, you know, staying in a hotel and there's probably eight of us in an 800 person hotel, which was a bit crazy, but it's doable. And I think when you're out again and you see people moving around, you're encouraged. You know, we just did an event with the airline industry and they were talking about it's safer now to travel than ever before. And I do believe that. I felt very safe in the travel experience Mm -hmm. and comfortable, but it's going to go to consumer confidence. I might be comfortable traveling now that I have. I was certainly precautious and it felt different, but I was encouraged that I would be willing to get on another plane, you know, soon and go and do something. So I just think it's going to take a while. Yeah, Yeah, maybe similar to some of the other challenges we've had, 9-11, those sorts of things. You know, if you would have told people a week before that, that they were going to have to stand in line for hours for a security check and take everything off and, you know, they would have been like, what? And now it's like we've just adopted that as a safety measure. So I think that consumer confidence in getting on a plane, staying in a hotel, walking down to a ballroom, picking up your lunch, you know, all of those things is just going to take a little while to get, get the consumer ready to do that again at the level that we were at. Absolutely. And um, I think there's a few major things that you touched on there. And one that stands out to me is this growth mindset that as an event professional in this new world of events, you just have to have it because if your mindset is fixed and you don't think that you can learn something new, you don't think that you can live through something new, you don't think that you can adapt and integrate anything that's out there right now, then might as well change professions at this point. There is no way that you can survive and thrive in this new environment without having that growth mindset to keep growing, to keep learning, to keep expanding your knowledge and this constant state of becoming. And yes. uh, and I felt like also this uh, analogy that came to my mind as you were talking about this new process of events. Everybody that's traveled to Europe once or to any other country that doesn't speak English, they know that once you land into that airport in that country and English is not the main language, you're going to start to go through a few hoops, right? So you're yeah. going to have to figure out how to get information. You're going to have to figure out how to communicate. You're going to have to figure out how to get from like place A to place B. And um, I remember like landing in Hungary of all places in the middle of the night uh, when we we're going to Europe uh, with my son and they lost our car seat. They lost everything. And we were in Budapest and, you know, he was like 14 months and we needed to travel from the airport to the hotel and then from there rent a car and go on our way, you know, to my country of origin, which is Romania. How do you take a 14 month old baby from the airport to the hotel without a car seat. So first Mm. thing is like we're in trouble because our suitcases, our car seats, our everything was not on the plane. (laughs) It was still in Germany somewhere. And you have to start to figure it out. And for us, the biggest barrier was actually the language. People don't speak English in Hungary and they also don't speak Romanian either. So we're like, where are we? (laughs) Yeah. And it's the middle of the night. You can't just go shopping. See, and I I believe if you're in this business, in this event industry, that you're kind of drawn to that anyways. You know, there's so much uncertainty in what we do. Even if you're a stellar planner and you've thought of everything, you're going to be thrown these crazy curveballs and our strength is in our ability to react and to figure it out. 
be resourceful. A lot of us are low decisions. We just like things to be T's crossed and I's dotted. And we like our spreadsheets yeah. to be just so. And I think that we're going to have to have a lot of patience and grace with ourselves and our teams and our clients. Mm-hmm. The other thing I find really interesting is that nine months ago, we didn't know how to do a full show end to end digitally. Now, digital tools have been around a long time and we've had some element of our shows that have been that, but to deliver it all 100% digitally or virtually was kind of new to us. And it just seems like we didn't have a choice. We had to just pivot in a way that was like, okay, well, this is what we have to work with. We don't have shrimp. We don't have chicken. We're going to have to use the beef from, you know, tomorrow's lunch and we're going to have to add something and, you know, just make it work. And I think it's been really challenging to not have it be perfect from the beginning. And so here you've got these clients that didn't even know how to do this nine months ago. Now they want it hundred percent customizable. They want it for little or no money. They want it. Their expectations have been exponential over the nine months that we're trying to, you know, build a plane while we're flying it. At first, there was a lot of grace around these tools and figuring it out. And now it's just like, okay, get in step because we need this and we want it to work. It needs to work. It's been tried and true. And I'm like, these vendor technology tools are telling me, give us another six months to a year and we'll have it stress tested and we'll really understand what we can do and what we can't do. And again, we're nine months in, the client wants it to be completely dialed when a lot of this technology is still out of our control. I mean, if we got a, you know, rainstorm somewhere where the server's sitting and it blacks out all the power and some of that stuff just still happens. And I think you make a great point here where, you know, I feel like in so many regards, we were able to nail the production side of the events. Like even if you aren't necessarily an AV professional, you did have as an event planner quite of a good understanding, you know, what that requires. Like what what is the production, this event, and what is the timeline and the flow and all of that. Now it's not just AV production that we're talking about when it comes to like the live streaming and the broadcasting. We're talking about a software, which is completely different and yet very much important and integrated into your event now. And you expect everyone to just know how to code. Yeah, this platform that it takes a different type of skill set. And I feel like a lot of the event professionals, they do kind of get tied into this misunderstanding of what it means for an event to be successful, not just from the production AV point of view, but also from the software platform point of view, because you do have two different skill sets that work together to create this event. Like, you know, as a background, I finished as a computer science engineer, I never practiced any code in my life. It's like you you finish your college, you finish your degree and you're like, no, what? Actually, I don't want to do this. I want to do something else. Right. And so I end up like going into event productions. As I'm looking at it, I'm thinking, you know what? I know how to mix a show. I know how to produce a show. I know how to design lighting looks and sets. But if you ask me to go and program the back end of this platform to do what you want it to do, that's not my skill set. The same way, if you're asking this software engineer that created your platform to troubleshoot your sound and troubleshoot your video and your lighting, that's also not possible. So there has to be a separation and understanding what each part can do the same way, like as an event planner, you bring a set of skills that that software engineer is not going to fill in. And if everybody kind of knows what the role they can play within this emerging new reality of events, I think we could all get together much better. (laughs) And the expectation would be set, you know? Well, and you know what's interesting? I mean, I would challenge my team to say, you need to be an educated consumer. Meaning when you get an AV proposal and you're reading how many lumens and you need to understand, you need to educate yourself enough. Yes. You don't have to know the how to build a projector, but you do need to understand, you know, depending on the size of your ballroom, what is yeah. how many lumens to get a nice bright 
projection. Yeah, so and if you I have so many thing- windows, you know, in the room that maybe don't go with your 3500 the cheapest option you're going to find. Exactly. So that educated consumer, and I have to tell you, I have tried to be an educated consumer since March. And it's, it's a challenge with these platforms. And, you know, you either get a salesperson who speaks the functions, but doesn't really understand technically how it works, or you get yeah. a, a developer engineer that knows how it works, but doesn't know how the end user is going to take it in. I mean, it also mm-hmm. remember the products that they're building. A lot of them are, they don't really even understand consumer behavior yet. They're still adding new functions all the time because they're like, oh, we should have had a button here and do this and let's add another feature. You know, I'd be curious to see how many updates on average they've done since March based on the feedback. So they're still learning what their customers needs out of these tools. But I think as planners, we need to be educated consumers. You know, again, know enough about dietary restrictions to put together a nice menu and have options for everybody. You know, you do that in all the other ways. You learn enough about ground transportation to be an educated consumer and make sure you understand and what you need from vehicles. And, you know, so we are in some ways, we are the utility player that has our hands on all the positions. And it, it's just like that with digital events. You need to get familiar with the terminology, the yes. tools, the functionality, how to question people who are writing the code or make recommendations to your platform provider. Before we move any further, I wanted to give a quick shout out to our main sponsor, Trifan Events, which is a boutique event planning and production agency that will come alongside you, offering personalized event planning and technical support, strategic event design, production and technology management, and flawless execution for live, virtual, and hybrid events. The team at Trifan Events is passionate about planning and producing event experiences that get people involved with true moments of interaction, engagement, and co-creation while offering white glove treatment throughout the entire planning process, enabling you to reach your event goals with the use of creativity, production tools, and event technology. To find out how Trifun Events can plan and produce your event become memorable, go to trifunevents.com. And certainly you need to have really strong support from them the day of the show. Yes. Just like you would at a venue, you know, have really strong support direct access to decision makers and quickly on the platform side. Yeah, because, you know, I was um, actually attending a conference past week and it was one of the most frustrating experiences as an end user that I could possibly have. And it actually gave me good food for thought. Do not do what these people did for the future. Don't do that to your audience, your own end user. It had everything to do with the platform they decided to use, but it wasn't so much about the platform because the platform was just fine. It was the lack of directions. You landed on that and you were supposed to press this join button to join the whatever live stream session your, you know, was on the agenda. Only the join button didn't do anything. What you needed to actually do is go and read through all the text on the site somewhere to figure out that actually, no, this is not where you're going to join from. You need to go to a Zoom link to join the session. And I'm like, why couldn't just embed that Zoom link so easily into that join button since the join button is the biggest 
interesting you see under that heading of the agenda. You know, just little things like that. If you do not set this roadmap for your end user from top to bottom, how do you expect them to have a good experience? Because if you're in a ballroom and you have some technical difficulties, you know, they'd be like, okay, well, the microphone's not working or something. And people turn around, they start talking and chit-chatting until, you know, you get your stuff back together. Hopefully that doesn't happen. But if it happens, you know, you have a little bit of grace. If this happens on a virtual platform, the people will close the tab and leave and never come back. It's oh, just yeah. Easy. There's nothing worse than watching the numbers just drop. You know, it's so true. It's like, and that's what I meant by the, the tools, not really understanding the consumers, right? You know, we know that when you go to a live event and there's 500 people, if you don't have a good parking solution, people are going to be upset by the time they get to Reg eventually. And you're going to hear it from everybody that parking was too expensive, not close enough, not enough of it available. You know what I mean? It's that first yeah. impression thing. So we used to always joke like, who knew, you know, parking is such a big deal. But, you know, we used to have a holiday gala where it was cold and the women were in high heel shoes and, you know, client kept picking this venue where the parking was a nightmare and they had to walk a long ways in the cold, in their high heels. <sighs> Finally, you know, one year we decided to, you know, put these pedicabs right where people were parking and it was amazing. You know, we made it sponsored and we put blankets and we just hired this whole fleet of pedicabs to get them to the front door. So, you know, you find those solutions. And I think when these tools, you realize when you get done, people are like, Hey, that it should not say join me if it's not the actual link. Exactly. We just had a, this event last week. I was so excited because access to the platform has been, oh, we've done I think 15 different platforms and it's a challenge. It's a big challenge for users. And we had almost 2000 people and we had three access questions out of 2000 people. And I was That's so amazing. happy. I know. I was like, you know what? All the decisions that we made to make this easy to get onto the platform and easy to figure out how to get into the main show paid off huge. I mean, look at these numbers. You know, that's the other thing about virtual events. You get crazy data that can inform you. And if you see, like you're saying, you know, 1800 logged on and all of a sudden there was 600 in the general session, people had a pain point there. They had a path of resistance that did not allow them to get into the ballroom. And so all of that information is super valuable. That's why I say, you know, like even level setting with the clients, you're like, we've done everything we can to make the big red button very obvious, but people are still relying on people's own Wi-Fi. You know, we had people, the stream was a hundred percent steady. It was beautiful. And people like it's choppy, you know, and they have 12 devices on in their house, right? And their (laughs) Wi-Fi, you know, it's like, okay, you got to work with us a little bit here. The stream is steady. We can see it from here try to refresh, try to, you know, the technical handholding across people's devices, their level of tech savviness, their browsers, whichever ones they're using. You know, we had one the other day that had to open a new tab and be out there and then come back to the other tab. And again, that seems easy enough, but depending on your level of how much you integrate with technology, you know, we're lucky we live here in the Seattle area. We have a lot of, we're just pretty tech savvy. We're early adopters and we're not afraid of it. And it depends on the age of your audience, digital native millennials that have been able to get in and out of everything. And then you got this, you know, you have an audience where there's like an elderly generation that's coming on. They've kind of learned how to do Zoom for Thanksgiving, (laughs) but it's not their natural habitat. And they're going to get lost if they've got too many clicks or I don't know, what do you mean? Open a new tab, which browser, what are you talking about? So it's definitely been a challenge, but I think that people are getting on board with it. And I think as we move into the new year, I've got a big event in spring that just decided to stay hundred percent digital. And I've got another big event in September. They're just going full steam ahead, assuming it's going to be live. Mm. So it really is kind of soup to nuts as far as next year's calendar yeah. with what people are planning to do. And then ultimately I think we're going to be super challenged and I'm looking forward to the challenge of figuring out how to integrate the two experiences, Absolutely. how do you pull that digital audience into that 
live experience? How do you make the live experience safe and interesting and different than the virtual login? And I you- love to actually segue into this because that was the next topic of my discussion is how do you see this integration happening in the world of events where you're going to have some sort of a hybrid mix of online versus in-person audiences? Yeah. I mean, I think it's about creating unique experiences for both. So you have two customers really, right? You have those that are viewing online and you have those that are live. So two unique customer experiences, but that they intersect multiple times. So people, they feel that other audience, whether it's, you know, again, we're used to, if you're in a breakout room and you're listening to a speaker and he's on the stage and you're live and you're sitting six feet apart and doing all of those things, is there a way to create a Zoom wall and bring people in for Q&A and so that you can see the people who are joining remotely? Can they be part of that Q&A? where it's, you know, someone's monitoring it and asking questions. We have a question from our digital attendee. Mm-hmm. Lynn, what do you think about this? I do think that we could continue to bring in excellent talent remotely. We had an event where we were able to bring an industry rock star from Australia to come in and be in part of it. And I think that that will happen for those who are live sitting in the ballroom. All of a sudden they have an opportunity for someone to pop in. And that's not new. That's been around, but it's going to be, I think, more prominent that we're able to say, oh, and we also have this other speaker joining remotely and then integrating that when I'm on stage that I'm able to talk to that you know, we just did an event that had a three tiered monitors in the middle of the studio set, and they were able to really intersect and interact really well. Each of the speakers were brought forward onto the middle screen and creating a seamless experience where people feel like they're all in the same room experiencing the same content. Mm-hmm. It's going to be key. I think the event industry is ready for this integration of a hybrid event production because the cost of it, the number yeah. is just running through my head and I'm thinking, are we ready? to embrace this new hybrid event experience at a cost Well, I think you're going to have to make choices just like you did before. You're going to have to decide what needs to be delivered, what needs to be recorded live and what can happen on Zoom and, you know, not cost you. And I always say to my clients, you don't want to skimp when it comes to seeing and hearing. That's why you're gathering. I mean, yes, you need chicken and or roast beef or whatever. or Yes, you need fancy decorations and centerpieces, but ultimately people come to see and hear and be together. And so prioritizing that production cost is going to be really important. And so I do think that, you know, you're going to have to do some, obviously some budgeting around, will you be able to entice enough digital attendees to justify the production means of having the platform and having the recordings and all that thing? What will the ticket price be for those who choose to go live and be in the space? Are there any efficiencies of scale there to figure out how to have what you need on the production side Mm -hmm. and leverage it for the digital audience? It's going to be eye-opening for the clients who are going to be super cost-conscious conscious as we go into the new year and try to figure out a way to make sense financially for them to have that digital audience as well. Absolutely. And maybe even creating enough incentive mm-hmm. in content or special VIP experiences for this uh, digital audience if you're going to splurge on this hybrid event experience. Because you do want it to make it accessible to people that are not yet ready to gather in person. But at the same time, it's the other side of making your event be more reachable by an audience that's probably the other side of the world, just opening the geographical borders of what that might look like. Well, and really getting that sponsorship conversation 
conversation going around, do you want to be our sole sponsor of this entire delivery, you know, the digital content and bringing them in early and often and showcasing them in a way with commercials and different things where they're really kind of underwriting that cost. I've heard from a lot of vendors and exhibitors that just don't feel like they got much out of the digital tools. They were okay, (laughs) but not great. So I think we're going to have to re-envision those partnerships and they're going to have to be more positioned as an editorial partner and showcased in a way where they're storytelling and they're, you know, they're getting mic time like crazy compared to just a booth that people digitally are not necessarily stopping by. So rethinking all of the sponsorship opportunities for 2021, are, it's going to be really critical. Definitely take some creativity for yes. sure. Yes. Based on all the events that you've worked on so far, what platforms would you say have the most chances to do well in this world of hybrid events in the upcoming near future and why? That's a challenging conversation. The question's challenging because I look at these technical tools as similar to venues. Where are you going to gather? You're going to gather at Arizona Resort, or you're going to gather at an airport hotel, or you're going to go to Canada so you can ski, or you're going to, why are you picking these destinations? And similar, why are you picking this tool? What do you need this tool to do for you? Because frankly, we've had some clients that have been super cost conscious and they just built a webpage, like a super inexpensive webpage, put up a you know media player, stream the content, put up yeah. a chat box. They didn't need a $60,000 platform. They just yeah. didn't. We've had others that have made an investment. And you know, I think I've told the story almost to, <laughs> to, to exhaustion here about like putting out an RFP and getting a bid back for 6,000 and one for 96,000. Yeah, that, huge the difference. Same effects on that sheet. And yeah. that's the variance. And so, you know, do you need to have one-on-one meeting times? Do you need to have complete brandability, ultimate flexibility to have it look like you're not on anybody else's platform at any time, white labeled in a way that it looks like a piece of your community, your mm-hmm. brand identity. Do you need to have polls? How many breakouts at one time? How many vendors at one time? All of those things help you decide which platform to use. So I don't have a favorite in the sense that not all tools work for all projects. Yes. It just depends on what you're trying to build. You know, and I think anybody who is in construction would tell you they have a lot of tools in their toolbox <laughs> and they're not going to use a hammer for everything. Well, hopefully they won't. (laughs) (laughs) They might, they might be able to, but you know, it's just one of those things where I think the really important thing is to understand what you need built. You need your blueprint. You need your priorities. You need all of that identified before you even engage with these platforms. Absolutely. And then you need to do the demos. You need to vet them and you need to ask the questions just like you would of an AV company. You're going to have to get educated, be an educated consumer and ask those questions. What else on here is nice to have, but not mission critical? Can you help me understand where we could save some costs? You know, all of these negotiation techniques and partner vendor discussions are all going to suit you well when it comes to talking to these platforms. Absolutely. I think we both agree that, you know, when it comes to virtual event platforms is the where and the how you're going to deliver, but it's not the why. The why is definitely that strategic thinking that goes into planning your virtual event. And it's no different than planning any event for that matter. You have to know the why before you can even figure out the how. This example from last week where we had these 1800 people and only three of them had needed assistance to get on. It was a 90 minute show end to end. And I kept telling this guy, I was like, we got this bid from this platform. And I kept saying, you need your show to be easy to get to and you need it to work. You need the lights, camera action to be coming through a screen. Mm-hmm. That's the most important piece of this. Your people already know each other. They're in the same organization. You don't need this huge networking thing. Yes. I mean, if it was a networking event, but really you're doing a state of the union address from your general manager, you need to have the story told really well. It needs to 
to work. And I will say, just like, you know, in a live event where I say, don't skimp on seeing and hearing, it's the same thing in a platform. Don't make your stream of your content the last thing you consider. You know, don't pick a platform because it's pretty wrapper, but you don't know how you're going to deliver the content because at the end of the day, the content needs to, to flow. People need to be able to see and hear. And if it's really challenging, it's not an easy streaming service that's proven that has great quality of a stream. You know, you don't want to yeah. mess around with that. Even if you have a pretty landing page. Absolutely. That's my priority always is seeing and hearing. And I feel like there's sometimes a little confusion, you know, with event planners, even when it comes to this platform that has all the bells and whistles, but then when it comes to the actual main stage where the live streaming happens, that actually have to be pushed by a separate production company that does all the streaming for them, you know, so that they don't just rely on, you know, Zoom to stream your speakers if you want that to have a higher production value. Sure, you could, but having the component of a production team that actually streams to your main stage, I feel like it's so important to add that extra production value to your event. There's this separation between like, what is that? Is that not included already in the platform? It's not. Yeah, it's typically not. And it's, you know, they need to understand again, that it's like being in the ballroom. They, you know, you don't just walk in a ballroom and talk on a stage. You know, you do, you get lighting, you get a stage set, you get production, you get good quality mics, you have a mixer, you have a, a switcher and a title slide. So the transitions are good. And I do think people need to understand whether they're putting on a webinar mm-hmm. or whether they're producing an event. Mm-hmm. And a lot of organizations have figured out how to put on a team webinar or a training thing. And they kind of think they're doing digital events and they got it all figured out. When, you know, a two day, again, high production value, you want a really slick thing. You want a great recording that you can use later, you know, not with everybody's faces on a Zoom call. (laughs) You know, you want that content to be able to use it after the show in some way that it looks and sounds great. Or my biggest pet peeve with Zoom production productions is, <laughs> you know, when you have people trying to share the screen and then it's all this extra tabs and uh, landing in somebody's inbox and you're like, no, no, that's not what I actually wanted to share. It was actually this presentation, but I don't know what it is right now. I'm like, oh my God, do we actually have this live stream live to like a thousand people? <laughs> well, and that used to happen that way. I don't know if you're old enough to remember, but that used to happen on stage where people would yes. take their laptop to the top. <laughs> they'd be like, you know, getting notifications on their laptop messages. And And it's funny, they don't know why the shows are so good with the switcher. They just know they are way different. (laughs) And that's part of what the difference between a Zoom, don't get me wrong, we use Zoom in the back end all the time. It's a great tool. No, absolutely. I'm not against Zoom. Like right now we're recording, right? Zoom. It's a great platform that has really stepped up their game and they are a player in the ability to do video conferencing and bring people together virtually. It's just like you said, understand the whole tech stack that has to happen to make a great show for the end user. Yes. It takes things other than Zoom and, and deciding whether you want to have an event that's produced. You know, do you want people in a studio so that it looks and feels like a moment in time versus something that I can just watch on demand as like, you know, in a webinar library? That, those are big questions to sort through, but also not everything translates. You know, I've had a lot of clients that have let go of, of a lot of kind of sacred cows in their events and just be like, that doesn't really work digitally, does it? And I'm like, no, mm-hmm. you're not going to get the same 
same kind of experience that you would have over the coffee station. Unfortunately, we haven't figured out how to replicate it exactly yet. You know, you can get into small breakout rooms and have conversations and there's some great tools for that. I think our technical partners are just working overtime to give us as much as we can to try to replicate some of this live stuff. But again, I don't feel like it's going to replace that. So I think we need to be really excited as an industry to think about what are we going to gain back when we are able to be live? What's the special sauce and how do we amplify that for those who are in the same room? Because if they're in there and we're just feeding them a webinar, why be there? You know what I mean? It's like, we're going to have to really be focused on that. What is that value add that only happens when you're in the same space? Yeah. Could I agree more? As we're coming to a wrap up of this episode where we touch on so many things, I feel like we could go on and on because I mean, we barely (laughs) touch on platforms, right? Like there's so many things like I could discuss with you because Lynn, you have such a rich experience and I just can't stop listening to you, but somewhere we're going to have to draw the line. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I would say this about platforms in general, do your homework, test them out. It's like that Arizona resort, go on a site visit, see if it's the right match, attend an event that they're having so you can see what the guest experience is. Just be an educated consumer, but know what you need first and which matches that the best. And be open to suggestions and experimenting, just starting the conversation with that open mind that maybe what you thought you needed is probably not what's going to serve your event best. It's just part of that growth mindset. Yeah, absolutely. So going back to our 2020 year in review episode and what the future holds for events in 2021, what are some of the lessons that you and your team have learned that you could do without, but also that you are grateful for? I think realizing that the technology is out of our hands to some extent, that was a hard lesson for all of us. You know, it's like when it does break down and you're on the side of the road, you know, and you, even if you're able to kick open the hood, we don't know how to fix it. You know, we just don't have those skills. We're creative and resourceful, but we're not developers and engineers. And so many times over the last nine months, we've been challenged with technology that we weren't able to fix. And that's very frustrating. I just don't know if things in a live event that I wouldn't have been able to figure out or fix, you know, it was like Mm -hmm. you said, if the mic wasn't working, everybody can go in the lobby and have some free muffins and Mm -hmm. back in five minutes and we'll see how we're doing. And, you know, you just, you find a way to adjust when you're in person. And like you said, when you couldn't get to the link, your entire audience is just out there kind of dead in the water and you can't figure out how to throw them a lifeline. You don't know the answers to that. So I guess I would say one of the biggest lessons for all of us is this is new. We're learning. Yes, we learned the lesson to ask about power in your first breakout room. You know, you've learned these lessons and now you've been through it. Now you'll put a contingency plan and you'll do this differently because the technology didn't work. You go to that debrief and postmortem and like, why didn't it work? What stopped it? Was there a button over here we didn't click and now we know. And so I guess it's just, you know, patience and just grace with yourself and your partners and everybody, this is still fairly new in this delivery method. There's been some hard moments in this year. I think it's exacerbated with everything else that's going on and just the isolation of things. And, but man, there's been some tough, tough days in the digital event world, but also some great wins, you know, and that perseverance, that feeling of like pushing through and figuring it out is very gratifying. I couldn't agree more. And I guess one last question, because you mentioned, you know, a little bit of that hardship that we all went through just from not being able to connect with people on the same level that we were used to or have in the past. What are some tips that you can give when it comes to self-care and finding ways you could, you know, live a a lifestyle that's not so stressed and full of anxiety? (laughs) 
Yeah, I mean, we kind of we kind of bargained for that when we got in this business. But I think it's about you know understanding yourself and what you need to be present and productive. That's different for everybody. You know how many events you can take a year, and mm-hmm. you know these fifty felt as hard as those hundred last year. You know they really did, just because of yes. again the learning curve. My feet are a lot less sore than they were last year. <laughs> Getting on and off a plane, I have a fewer <laughs> massage appointments than I have had in the years past with all the up and down and travel. You know, one thing I really think is give yourself time to think and to reimagine what this gathering experience can be. I just think we get so busy trying to figure it out and don't sit and just ideate and just throw things up there and like, what if we did this? What if we added a whole new group of virtual people to offset our budget? What if question? This whole experience has been an accelerator of us to figure out how to be meeting planners in 2021 and event planners and really understand the tools at our disposal, but also recreate what it looks, feels, sounds, tastes, smells like for people. And I'm looking forward to, you know, this week is our last two events of the year. And I'm looking forward to a break where when you're going hundred miles an hour, a little bit of a break always leaves me some mental space to yeah. create, to think, to design, to reimagine. I guess I would just encourage you to stay well-read and thank you for bringing this podcast and continuing to just take an afternoon and a walk and listen to some thought leaders about what hybrid even means or looks like. I'm still not sure. I'm still thinking about what hybrid looks and feels like. And I like that. And sometimes as Lotus Editions, we don't give ourselves enough credit to get really free brain space to think that way. I think you touched on some really good points. Having that, you know, morning quiet time. I have to have my morning quiet times when actually, you know, my whole family is still sleeping and I just get up in the morning earlier than normal, you know, but that's what it takes, even though I'm not a morning person, just to have that free, you know, open space of mind that I can think. And then going to the gym, being able to work out, going for a walk, like you said, mm-hmm. you know, going out, playing a podcast, you know, in your headphones or listening to some webinar or I catch up on so much information when I just go to my one hour and a half of workout and it's like, to me, that's my learning time that I hold tightly to because it's not just the physical workout that I get, but it's the mental workout. Mm-hmm. I'm like able to feed all this additional uh, knowledge and anything that stimulates my my mind and my imagination, I'm all for it. And I so appreciate our talk right now. Like you gave me so many new ideas to just <laughs> think of and just ponder on because that's how we grow. That's how we come up with all this genius ideas, you know, not that I'm close to anything genius, but (laughs) giving yourself space to do that. And, you know, the thinking part is, you know, I heard a great guy speak at a conference 25 years ago, and he was an ad guy from New York. And he just said, you know, look at more things longer. And I, he just said, that was the key to his creative success. You know, look at more things Mm. longer and think about would that work? You know, I take a lot of inspiration from broadcasting and I watch how they've done the Academy Awards this year. And I've got an awards event next year. And I'm like, what elements would work from that? You know, and I've rewatched and I took pictures of set room set. So, you know, keep your own creative document, whatever that looks like, you know, mind mapping or whatever, or as PowerPoint slide where you're looking at room sets and you're dropping in some different visuals to get your brain going around registration. I kept two or three pictures of signage at registration, great sign companies that posted something in LinkedIn. I'm like, oh, this is amazing. I love that they had this way they had the shield and then they had this. And, you know, so 
just taking in a lot of information, ideas, stimulus around what that new can feel and sound and look and taste and smell like. I've taken pictures of little delivery methods for catering with everybody doing takeout. I've taken pictures of my favorite way that that they dressed up a takeout box. I just keep those resources. No, it's like your toolbox. You know, I love. Yes, I just want to put them all in there and then I come out and I want to sort them out in a way where it's like, okay, Reg, what does Reg look like now? Okay, when we're back in a space, what does catering look like? How do we integrate? How do we use all these screens and these tools? And is there a cool way that I'm at an event where I could actually go out to a kiosk and an iPad or something where I could still meet somebody who's attending digitally from Connecticut? Where are those touch points? Just keep your mind open and take a little time, certainly for, I think everyone needs to take a deep breath after this year. And it's not going to, I don't think, turn around the very first thing, 2021, January thing, but it's going to evolve. And so, yeah, you know, stay ready, kind of like going to the gym and being ready for the game, just kind of stay ready and sharp and take in a lot of information. We're going to get through it. You know, being in a studio this week in, in DC, taking my first plane ride and sitting next to the technical producer, her and I were laughing. We were with our six feet apart with our mask. And I was like, it is so good to see people. And right. Only six of us, but we're in a room. There's a lot of cords that need to be taped down and we're just doing it. And we were so productive when we we're sitting by each other. I go, man, I've missed this. I've missed that. Yeah. Yes. Like, you're right. Make it green. No, move it over to speed. <laughs> we were right in the same physical space and it felt so good. So I just want to encourage everybody to hang in there. We're an amazingly resilient industry and we will figure out how to gather people both live and, and virtual into a hybrid situation into 2021. Lynn, it's been such a pleasure talking to you. I'm hearing from you and sharing the wealth of your experience and all the knowledge that you've gathered over so many years of event planning and event producing. For all our audience, where can they find you on social media? Where do you hang? The most efficient way is just to find me on LinkedIn, Lynn Edwards, just like it sounds, L-Y-N-N Edwards, LinkedIn with proper planning. And we produce a event planner series called Toolkit, and you'll find information on my LinkedIn about that, but we try to have weekly conversations with partners and pros and talk about, you know, all the things that we're challenged with. So you can also find us on Toolkit Event. There's a YouTube channel with lots of videos in the can about things we were experiencing live this year, but connect by LinkedIn. I I had a great experience on LinkedIn this year. I had a meeting planner out of North Carolina and I'm based in Seattle and she had heard one of our toolkits or read posts or something. And she said, we have a digital event next week. Can we have a call with my events team? And it was so fun. You know, we were Zoom calling. They were one week out from their show. And I was like, well, maybe think about this and this. That's so they amazing. sent me this fun care package and we were like, you know, have a cocktail. And they sent me this cool North Carolina cocktails and treats and thank you for meeting with us. And when uh-huh. we ever get back to North Carolina, we'd love to meet with you. And so I'd love to connect on LinkedIn. And I'm really really an open book, happy to share major fails, major wins, things that we're working on, successes that we're having, but let's connect. Absolutely. And I so appreciate the time that you took today. And I will make sure to put those uh, links in the um, episodes uh, notes. And uh, I wish you a wonderful holiday season, a happy 2021 and happy we just made it through 2020. (laughs) That's right. That's a victory. Well, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate you taking the time to, you know, allow me to share what we've learned. And I'm looking forward to working with you soon. Same. Thank you, Lynn. Okay, thanks. 
Okay, friends, this is it for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening to the very end. And stay tuned for a super special edition of two back-to-back episodes coming up next week with a soundbite compilation of 2020 year in review. The best of the best tidbits shared this year all in one easy-to-listen compilation. You will love it. I mean, get some popcorn out and let's make a night out of it. Invite me in your living room and we will have a blast together. I bring the fun, you bring the popcorn. It's gonna be amazing. And if you found any of today's information helpful, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast on your favorite listening platform, screenshot the podcast, share it on social media and tag us. Do what you need to do to get the word out so we can share these tips and this knowledge with as many event professionals as possible. If you need one-on-one assistance, you know where to find me. I do love when I receive feedback from you guys. So keep that coming via direct messaging on Instagram, Facebook, or via email at podcast at 3funevents.com. Here's to safety and health and peace and no stress during the holiday season. Until next week when we air 2020 Year in Review Soundbite Compilation.